0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
1: Hey, it's Rundown producer Justin Bull here. Today, we're going back into the archives. This is an interview from April about why you need to freaking relax.
0: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown.
1: Welcome to your dream space, a download, a daydream. Stay here. Stay in rest. Stay in the dream space. Our collective rest will save us. You are enough. Our dreams are enough. This is imagination work. A portal opens when we slow down. You can rest.
0: If you don't know Trisha Hersey by name or by her full, soothing, resonant voice, you may know her ministry, the Nap Ministry. Trisha, AKA the Nap Bishop, is a performing artist, an activist, a theologian, and her New York Times bestselling book, Dropped in the Fall, is called Rest is Resistance, a manifesto. Now, I know you may be thinking, is sleep really that serious? but Trisha speaks with a knowing that makes you feel. I mean, we're always talking about rest, but how many of us are actually resting? Yeah, the pandemic slowed us down a bit, but most of us are back grinding again. You know, the whole, i sleep when I'm dead, work hard, play hard, hustle, side hustle. Many of us have embraced the hard reality of having to work and produce as much as we possibly can. And for those of us in the Midwest, Feeling guilty if we don't. But Trisha has made it her business to show us another way. What if we can actually balance this thing out? Make moves we need to make, but make them with all the benefits of being well rested. What if we could rest just for rest's sake? What would this even look like? Trisha watched her grandmother rest her eyes growing up and she thinks we've lost sight of how to even practice rest.
1: What I think about social media and and what it has done to our culture, you know, we can talk about all the ways that it's connected us, but I think in a lot of ways it's been a harm to our culture because it makes people believe that something is a trend or if they see a new hashtag, it's new. Rest is ancient. You know, the idea of resting and slowing down is an ancient practice and one of the practices that I've been following since I've been a young girl, after you know, being with my grandmother and watching her, but even before my grandmother, Black people, specifically Black women, have been finding ways to reclaim their bodies and their time as their own for centuries. We have been in full resistance mode Mm. looking at our bodies as divine dwelling places we've been finding these temporary spaces of joy and freedom and a lot of my research for the net ministry started with me working in archives looking at the history of plantation labor chattel slavery in the united states and really tracking that around my own ancestors who worked as sharecroppers and who were enslaved in mississippi and louisiana and so Watching and learning and researching what they have done and how they have been able to remix oppression in this subversive and flexible way. I think about Harriet Tubman, who was on the Underground Railroad, and she was stopping at moments to pray, to listen, Mm -hmm. you know, that she actually would have prophetic dreams. And she was dreaming. She would wake up from these prophetic dreams, um, understanding that her people were free, that she would have these visions of freedom you know while she was resting while she was napping while she was sleeping Mm -hmm. and to me resting has to be reimagined people believe that resting is just one thing but resting is anything that slows you down enough that you can connect with your body and mind so i look at prayer also as a form of rest you know so when Harriet Tubman is stopping on the Underground Railroad to rest to receive a word from God on which way to go left or right you know this way or that way she was never caught the entire time she was on the Underground Railroad and I really think that we as a culture don't know our own history our history is being erased from us and then when you bring in social media and you look at people believing that this is some new thing <laughs> I hate when people call this new resting that's happening a trend mm-hmm. it is not a trend it is a full-on political movement that is looking at capitalism and white supremacy and pushing back against these systems that look at profit over people. And so this is ancient work. My grandmother, Ora, was doing it. My mother was doing it. uh, My great-grandmother, Rhodey, Harriet Tubman, Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, Octavia. But I mean, resting to me is simply work that has been given to me by my ancestors and that I'm just keeping the torch going.
0: Yeah, thank you. And thank you for that that ancestor name drop. <laughs> also, I love that. We, we also know that rest uh, and sleep, they're biological, right? It's a scientific mm-hmm, fact absolutely. that, yeah, we need sleep and rest in order to be well. A lot of what you started to talk about now here is getting into that, the spirit mm-hmm. component of rest. You, you talk about in your book, the grief component there. Can you talk about that connection between rest and divinity?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I was raised as an organizing activist. So my dad was a union organizer. He was deeply involved in um black liberation movements since he was a young teenager. I was raised under that idea that resistance work, political work, organizing work, justice work is a spiritual practice. And so I think we have forgotten that the ways mm-hmm. in which that we can resist. The ways in which we can push back against a culture that doesn't see us as full human beings, that doesn't see us as human at all. And so to me, when I think about the spiritual practice of rest and, and that resting really resides in, in the divine, it is a divine dwelling place for us to go to, for us to take our bodies. Our bodies are this site of liberation. And so I name that as the second tenet of the NAP ministry. Our bodies are a site of liberation. And what I mean by that is that wherever our our bodies are, we can find rest, we can find healing, we can find freedom because our bodies belong to us. And that is something that specifically Black people in this culture have had to push back against for so long when our bodies were owned, in quotes, during slavery. We didn't have autonomy over our own bodies, Jim Crow. And even to now, we look at all of the systems that are, don't look at a Black body as a a human body, but as a machine. And so To be Mm. human, to be alive, to be chosen, to be on earth. The miracle of birth grants us divinity. It grants us leisure, pleasure. It grants us rest. We weren't born to simply work and labor and do, but we were born to be divine, to be of Mm. service to our communities, to, to love, to heal, to be expansive, to invent. And so what we have been taught is the opposite of that the culture has taught us since birth to connect our work to how much we can can get done and so the culture has us spinning in a way and has us brainwashed specifically to not see ourselves as divine beings and so what this work really is if i can distill down the nap ministry into like a very short sentence it is healing work that is looking at us being more human. It's simply bringing us back to our human state, to be in tune with our bodies, to be in tune with our um, our community, to be connected with each other. In the earth, right now, we are disconnected. We are disembodied. We are exhausted. We are sleep deprived. And when you talked about the biology of that, you know, the CDC has been naming sleep deprivation as a public health issue for years, so many health conditions are tracked back to lack of sleep, but then we're also um, deeply in a spiritual death when we are disconnected from who we are as human beings and we are disconnected from each other because, um, and see ourselves as only machines and and are exhausting and being so hmm. violent with our bodies. And so to push your body to the point of exhaustion is violence. Grind culture is a form of violence. And I think the rest movement right now is really coming to a place where people are beginning to finally just pull back a veil to be like, wait a minute. You mean it's not normal to be exhausted and burnt <laughs> out? You mean it's not normal to be like burnt out to the point of where I'm physically ill? No, it's not. And yeah. so I love this new awakening that's happening. I think that's what I would call it. So much of
0: it is like we don't even know what we're missing yeah, <laughs> um, half the time. True. You know, I mean, yeah. I really loved hearing about some of the napping, collective napping experiences you've talked about. Can you mm. tell me what what have you noticed? What what has come up, yeah. um, you know, during and, and after those experiences?
1: Yeah, it was such an experimentation and always remains to be an experimentation. That is the signature program. When you think about the nap ministry and when I began my research and my thoughts around resting as justice work. That was the first thing I did is gather people together. I guess it was really the second thing I did. The first thing I did was experiment with rest with my own body as I began to refuse to work. I began to refuse to push my body when I was in school. And I just began napping and resting and, and um, researching about my ancestors and began to see my body and my rest as a form of resistance reparations for my ancestors. And so my personal experimentation as an artist and as a Black exhausted woman led to me mm-hmm. thinking, how can we share this in a collective? So the first event that I decided to do when I thought about the idea of a NAP ministry. The NAP ministry will be a place that will be able to install collective rest events all over. And so I did my first one here in Atlanta. Mm. Forty people came. I thought only two people would come because who's going to come and lay down and, and go to sleep around strangers and who's going to leave their purse and their phone, who's going <laughs> to, so I was like, nobody's going to come, but 40 people showed up and I couldn't wake them for two hours. And so what I noticed is that this is work that has to be embodied. You can't simply talk about the rest. You can't simply retweet it, read about it. You're going to have to at some point lay your body down and begin to experiment with the ways in which resting becomes a portal for you. It becomes a, place that you can enter into a dream space and so what I noticed at every single event we've done hundreds now all over the country and also over the world is that people don't realize how exhausted they are when mm. people can rest and finally slow down for a minute in a place that is intentionally for them where they can feel supported where they don't feel guilt and shame around it that they wake up and they're so emotional every single time there are tears people are crying they're so moved. It's so emotional for people to understand um, what has happened to their body. And so it becomes this deep space of um, holding space for grief, holding space for this new discovery. Every single time someone cries, every single time it's hard to wake people. Mm. You got to tell people it's time to leave. They don't want to go like they people are just <laughs> fully um fully embraced by the idea of what resting can be for their lives. And most of the people who come to our events haven't taken a nap in a long time. Mm -hmm. Most of them didn't think that they could ever sleep um, and rest. At an event with other people, I had a woman come and she said, you know, I'm a survivor of trauma. So I don't think that I'm going to be able to get comfortable enough to Hmm. close my eyes and sleep around other people. But I wanted to come to meet you and to just experience it. I was like, that's fine. Just please just be here. She slept for 45 minutes. I had to wake her up. She was knocked out. She just felt such a spiritual connection and so so soothed by being around others and so it's so important that it's done collectively that it's collective we will not heal alone we will not make it alone in this culture individualism teaches us the opposite that's what um, capitalism, white supremacy, and this Western culture teaches us is that we can do everything alone, that we are an individual and don't need others. Mm-hmm. That is another lie. And so to collectively heal together in a space like that, it's just been such a, I've been so honored and blessed to be like the only person awake at that moment. I may be one of the people, when I think about it, I was thinking about how many events we've done. I've probably seen thousands and thousands it's probably got to be in the double digits of thousands of people Mm. go in and out of a rest state and I'm thinking to myself has anyone in the world ever been able to experience that like what a blessing it is for me to be the only person awake in a room holding space for people's rest watching people go in and come out of this dream state what a beautiful experience to to be able to um have
0: yeah um you know, I I want to ask you about that. In part four of your book, you you tell us with an exclamation point to imagine, yeah. <laughs> all caps, um, and you know you talked about the person who was dealing with trauma and people you know who haven't rested in so long, and you know rest as resistance, it kind of makes the, the idea of rest itself feel daunting. You know, we have to resist mm-hmm. so much in order to do it. Um, mm-hmm. But but you say, you know, do it anyway. And, and I wonder if doing it in community, leaning on community so that you can do it, um, yes. is that the answer to that question of how can I possibly do this?
1: Yeah, I think that um, for me, the idea of re- resistance and refusal is really, um, actually a very submissive and passive zone for me. I think people hear the word resistance and and believe, based on our culture, that it means some type of fighting and pushing. And to me, I think it's the opposite. To to submit to your body, to listen to your this divine dwelling mm. that you have, to say no to the system that you can't have me because I don't belong to you. I, I don't belong to capitalism nor white supremacy or patriarchy that I am enough right now. It is a very deep space um, of political refusal and it's a very in, inventive and imaginative and flexible way to um really navigate the world. And so the work resides in a deep place of community care, communal mm-hmm. care, collective care. I wrote the book, it's 55,000 words, and I didn't mention self-care once, and I did that intentionally. This isn't about Thank you self-care. for that. It's <laughs> yes. a little annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's be so honest. annoying. It's like we've had enough of the self, the way self-care has been kind of created by this capitalist white supremacist wellness movement, in quotes. They really have taken it and made it to not what it really is, to Mm -hmm. think that it has to be something outside of yourself that you need. That you need to consume. um, A mask, you need to consume, you need to go on a retreat, you need to go and get a um, massage and you have to have an expensive mattress. All you need is your body Mm -hmm. to be able to resist these systems because we are more powerful than they will ever want us to imagine. I think once we begin to see ourselves as powerful and begin to reclaim our power from the systems that the, the entire system could crumble under the weight of that. And so mm. I tell people the collective is where it's at. All of these events are always done in person. We don't charge people. Um, I will never charge a person. To, um you shouldn't have to pay to do this. You come to our events. Um, And I want people to begin to see this as deep, deep political work. This is not a wellness trend. This is not something that we're trying to get rich off of. This is simply us reclaiming our bodies in in time, even if it's for 10 minutes a day. All those moments collectively coming together, they actually do matter.
0: Yeah. You had told me by email earlier that you created a map. With some of your favorite places to dream um, here in Chicago, where right. uh, where I know you you grew up and 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 grew so much, um, I love it. Yes, where where is the last place that you napped or mm-hmm. went to
1: to dream? Yeah, I love to daydream. It's like the newest thing that I've been experimenting with for our, um, events. So we do the collective daydreaming activations. We're teaching people how to daydream, how to come together and kind of dream ourselves free how to like work in collect in a collective matter to kind of imagine a world that we want to see to give space to just hear and listen like my grandmother would do she would always just. rest her eyes and say she was listening i'm listening to God i'm listening to the universe and i'm wondering what was she hearing. What what downloads was she receiving that was allowing her to be able to continue on and make it in a culture that wanted to see her yeah. crushed, you know? And so I think this idea of daydream, the last place I daydreamed was actually out on my back porch. You know, I'm here in Georgia now. I've been living here for the last um, 13 years and there's trees everywhere. I think it's one of the states that has the most trees. And it's like these beautiful trees, pine and oak trees all over thousands and thousands. So I just sit and just watch the trees move. And so I think being out in nature, a lot of the things that I put on the Apple Maps are things yeah. that are like outdoors in Chicago, like Grant Park or Millennium Park's Rose Garden or being walking um on Promontory Point, being out there on the water. Lake Michigan is such a beautiful, quiet place, especially in the morning yes. to go on Lake Michigan when there's like no one out there in such a big city like Chicago. You can actually find a space on Lake Michigan where there's like no one, you know, it's just all you hear is just the water. And so I miss that so much being by that beautiful body of water, my Mm -hmm. favorite bodies of water that I feel like really spiritually baptized me. You know, they really became such a a deep place in my home. Um, I think Lake Michigan is one of the ultimate places to go and daydream and to just be.
0: Um, wow, thank you for for going through that map with us. Um, I started to visualize some of those places. Um, I wonder if you can tell me what are some of the things that you are dreaming about right now?
1: Right now I'm dreaming about slowing down even more, you know, which if if, if that's possible, I'm dreaming about um the idea of like really help training others so that they can pass this word on. And so it doesn't have to just be all on me. Like, so Mm. we have a rest temple that we just have here in Atlanta, a physical space. And so my main dreams right now are really, um, having people come and go through some type of program where they can train under these teachings now that the book is out it's so important that the book came out because it becomes a part of the literary canon for this whole idea around rest it becomes part of the archives it becomes a guidebook it's a manifesto for the movement and i think it being a field guide and a guidebook that I would li- really like to dream deeper into it and really begin to go deeper into like education around it and really getting people trained and like understanding this model so it can be t- it can be deeply taken all over in-, in deep ways. Right now, people are experimenting with it and I want it to be like that. People have been asking me to train since I started the organization in two thousand. I said, no, it's not time. Like, I don't want it to become so... Strict that it feels like something you have to like get a certification, and I'm like, this is your, work. this is y'all work, you know, like <laughs> this is your body, like you can experiment and expand on this work forever, and just see it as a place where you can do deep experimentation with your bodies and what resting can be for you. And so I think we're at the point now where I'm dreaming more into like working collectively with people to get them really deepening into the idea, so they can go deeper into the um communities.
0: Trisha Hersey is a performance artist, activist, theologian and daydreamer. She's the creator of the Nat Ministry and her new book is called Rest is Resistance, A Manifesto. This was just the first part of my conversation with Trisha. In our next episode, we're gonna dive deeper into how capitalism and white supremacy affect our rest. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, please rate and review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.